You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Um, okay, so counseling, ministry, those are my backgrounds. I'm also a soccer player, soccer coach. So getting to work with girls, especially in a number of capacities, is something I've loved doing for the last 15 years plus. And um, when Cameron asked me to come speak at this breakfast, the first thing I thought was, I can't believe you guys are willing to get up and come in here and spend your morning hearing about teenage girls. And also, thank you for that. Thank you. That is, that's redemptive to me. That's hopeful to my ministry, to my practice. You guys showing up and being committed to learning and to being curious about your daughters is such a gift. It's when we talk about the Christian life is kind of bearing, bringing redemption unto one another in different ways. This brings redemption into my life even. And uh, thank you. Thank you for being an encouragement to me and to my ministry and to the girls I work with in counseling too. Um, it's no small thing that you guys show up. And I think that's, if there are kind of three main takeaways, one of the main takeaways is that your presence is such a big deal in your girls' lives. And it, they're not going to give on all the time that it is a big deal. They're going to look back and say, wait, he kept, he kept pursuing me. He kept asking me questions. He kept making those goofy jokes that were really embarrassing. That presence and that commitment to showing up is such a big deal. Um, so I'm ahead of myself. But thank you. I'm super honored to sit with y'all and to share. So thanks for blessing me. Um, all right. Question, because I'm interactive, as Cameron says. I don't like just talking. What scares you the most about having a teenage girl? What's terrifying to you about parenting a teenage girl? Everything. <laughs> teenage boys. Teenage boys. I was wondering when that would come up. Yep. What else? Self-esteem. Self-esteem. So self-worth issues. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. Say again? You never know what you're going to get. Yes, chaos. You never know what you're going to get. Variations. What else? The world that tries to suppress them from being who they really are all the problems they Hmm. So kind of gender suppression, roles, expectations, stereotypes, objectification, all of that. Yes. So good. Your relationship with their mother. Hmm. Relationship with their mother. Getting caught up in all the horizontal rhetoric. Getting caught up in rhetoric, social pressure. Um, comparison, yes. All you guys, you have your pulse on something. If you're saying this to me, you're you're picking up something from your girls. That's really good. Um, so the first thing, all of that's true. That's kind of the the bed bedrock that we're dealing with, the, the soil we're dealing with. Um, the first thing I want to give you a second to do is take one of those cards. You've got two. We're going to use them for two things. So in one card, I want you to reflect on where you have known the grace of Jesus. And I mean this. This is intense. I'm intense. Welcome to Liz Edrington. So take take a minute. Where have you known the faithfulness of God in your life? Where has Jesus shown up? Where has someone shown you his grace? Where has God forgiven you? Where, where have you known the power of God in some way? It could be a story. It can be a person, a mentor. When you think about a time or just how you have known the grace of God, that he sees you, he forgives you. He loves you. You have been chosen. 
go. Take a minute. Yep. <laughs> Too early, I know. I will give grades. You will be cut from class. No. Just even like where the gospel became real. Something powerful. All right. Who helped you understand that you're loved by God is another one. This is lots of options. I'm going to keep rolling since we have the depths of teenage souls to plumb in the next 35 minutes. <laughs> um, okay, so the reason for this and to take time, and take time more time if you need it later, is the place where you have been met by the Lord is the very place you have to offer your daughter, and that's a big deal. That The grace you've received, the ways you've known God, the ways you're curious about God, his pursuit of you, is what you have to extend to your daughter, and that there's such solid foundation there of sometimes you're not going to have the answers. You're not going to know what to say. You're not going to know how to relate to her and her changes, but you have what it takes. And I really, I want to say that as a woman and a woman who works with teenagers and a woman with a father, you have what it takes to be her father. Hear that from me because you have the Lord and that's what you need. Your ability to father is Jesus. It's that it's, he has made you this. He's put you into this role whether or not it's your biological child, and probably especially if it's not your biological child, you are meant to be her dad. This is something, a role God has given you, and he's not going to leave you in it. Jesus is your ability to father. You have what it takes. Hear me say that. Um, no matter how awkward or terrified or inadequate or unsure you feel at any point of a girl's progress and growth and adolescence and development, you're the one for the job because he put you in this role. And... Uh, I want you to be encouraged in that, not to feel, you might feel a weight or a burden, but also like, God's not going to leave you there. You, you're given this for a reason. And I'm going to dive into a quick Matthew 3:16 through 17, just to validate that more, because these are God's words over you. So it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Those words are over you in Jesus. Those words are over you in relation to your daughter. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Starting from that place, going back to that place, because all of us, even, I mean, we get caught up in a lot of different things, and especially me thinking I've got to have the right answers and know the right things to do. 
Start from there, come back to there. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Those words are for you. Um, it's, uh, it's different in your lives, in your marriages, when you're operating out of reactivity or fear or your own story, even some unprocessed stuff. When, some, when your girl comes to you with something hard, a struggle, or you find something out about her that's hard, to come back to even your place as a father and knowing you are a son with whom he's well pleased is a big deal. So that that's kind of point one for me. You have what it takes. You have Jesus. He's your ability to parent. Um, second, intentionality is the posture of love. Intentionality is the posture of love. And that means sometimes you don't even know how to be intentional or what it what it means to try to connect with your daughter, but it's such a big deal to keep trying, to keep risking, to keep being present. Um, I'm going to do the four questions. Uh, so I was thinking about actual questions, girls' hearts and conversations we've had and what, they, what they're longing for, what's missing, what's been good in their lives. And I had four, and then last night I couldn't help it out of fifth, so forgive me. Um, I'm going to write them down. Oh, not with that pen. Maybe not any pen. Okay. Am I lovable? Am I lovely? Am I worth pursuing? Five, especially for middle school years, but really for all, all of time. That's why I wanted to add it. Okay. Am I lovable? Am I lovely? Which is also, am I beautiful? Am I um, delightful? Am I enjoyable? That's a big question um, at the base of her heart. Even if she's a tough athlete like I am, it's a big question. Uh, am I delightful? One of my professors would always say there's a difference, almost like, Men love delighting. Women love being delighted in. And there's something to that, I think. Am I worth pursuing? Am I, can I do anything to push you away? Can I do anything to make you not love me? What can I think about Hosea here? Pursuing Gomer. Jesus goes to the ends of the earth and through hell to pursue you. That's a part of your story, too. And it's even more intense, especially for a girl looking for solid ground. Am I worth pursuing? Am I seen, heard, do I matter? Number four. Um, <laughs> that, that's a big one. Being seen, being a, there's such a huge transition happening in this phase of life, and I realize I'm making kind of blanket statements, but adolescence, so 12 to 18, especially the beginning years, 12 to 14, you've got so many changes happening, and when y'all are starting to think, whoa, this is really chaotic and confusing, chances are they're actually thinking the same thing. They're just as confused. So 
to walk alongside them in the confusion is going to be helpful. Um, the change, I think, some of you who've, who've raised your daughters, you go from teaching and training and knowing this little girl who you're helping to learn about all the things in the world, and when they begin to individuate, to find their own identity, to figure out who they are apart from you and in relation to you in a different way, that means you get to start taking a different posture and seeing her as discovering an identity with her. So you become a partner in that process in a different way. And that is hard. There's loss for you. There's kind of death there. And you can honor that. It's like, whoa, this is, this is not the little girl I always knew. It's okay. But you're going to start to take a different posture of discovering her identity with her and seeing her in that and noticing things. Y'all, when you notice a woman or you notice a young girl and say, hey, I saw that that really piqued your interest. Hey, I noticed that you really loved watching that football game or you took a huge interest in cooking last week. To be seen has such a powerful effect. Give it words. Notice it. See them. Use your words for that. Validate what you see. Um, we're going to do an exercise, actually. Next card. Yes. Okay. Grab the next card. And, oh no, back. Flip. I take it back. The other card is for something else. Flip over the card you just wrote on if you wrote. And... This is about your own daughter. I want you to write what delights you about her. It could be a couple of things. What do you enjoy? Where do you see the image of God in your daughter? Is she kind? Is she merciful? Is she creative? Does she think of systems well? Is she strong? Is she compassionate? Um, does she really love her friends? Is she relational? Write a couple of things down about where you see the image of God in your daughter. Does she enjoy beauty? Appreciate creation? Um, is she really passionate and feisty, strong in that way? Does she have a heart for justice? She really wants things to be right. Um, any of that. Something that's true of your daughter. I didn't write a five. Okay. You as a father are in a really unique position to speak blessing over your daughter. And we're thinking about what it means to, you have this incredible and weighty role in reflecting even who God is as a father. And he speaks blessing. He uses his words to bless. Um, when you call these things out in a loving way, in a compassionate, kind way to your daughter, you bless her richly. And that's going to look different for each of y'all and how you figure that out. It might be, the other card is, take those things and write a note to your daughter and stick it in her backpack, stick it on her bed. Take what you have seen in her and give it back to her. Be a mirror. You guys, as a, operating as mirrors, as people who reflect what they see in love, it's, it's so profoundly impacting. So those those things you just wrote are for you to take and give back to her and say, hey, here's what I see. Here's what I love about you. Here's what's delightful about you. When she's asking, am I lovely? Am I just someone to be, she's being sexualized by guys, unfortunately. You know, she's comparing herself in a lot of ways in this image-based culture she's in. For you to validate things about her that aren't just her looks, that are her as a whole person, when you as her father relate to her as a whole person. So, 
um, a young woman that has emotions and thoughts and actions and a will and is spiritually embattled like we all are and socially embedded and is um, a mystery. There's a lot of mystery to people, to you and yourself, to your daughter and herself and to the Lord. And you honor that, it, it's blessing, trust me. So that's a way that you can see her by being a mirror to her. And hearing, um, oh, I forgot to give you guys something. I hope it's in here. Yeah, I do. Yeah, would you pass these out? Probably gonna need to explain those questions to me. Yeah, I will. Okay, so Cameron's passing this out. I'm gonna take a couple more seconds on these questions. Okay. When you hear, am I lovable, what do you think? Do you have an image? Do you have a question? Am I lovable? What does that mean to you? I'm going to give you, when we think about even scripturally, can I be fully seen and known in all of my shame in the places that I hide from people? and loved, and yet loved. So fully known and fully loved. Fully extended, I see you fully, I love you fully. Am I lovable? Um, More than am I likable, can you actually love me? Am I lovely, more the delightful? Am I beautiful, am I um, captivating? There's a book called Captivating. Am I worth pursuing? Do I have what it takes for someone to come after me? Is there some way I can push them away? Am I seen, heard, do I matter? That's more of what we've been talking about with, do I have a voice that you hear that's different from your wife's, that's different from other women you've known? Do I have something unique about me that's significant? So how do I reflect the Lord? And with that, I want you to flip over the paper that has the article on it, and we're gonna read the Bonhoeffer quote on listening. So some of holding up a mirror, some of the stuff I've talked about that's, that's great. If it doesn't have listening before it, if it doesn't have your curiosity before it, it's going to be lacking. So would one of you guys read the Bonhoeffer quote out for me? There's a kind of listening with that here. Sorry. That was very nice and in sync. <laughs> kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. It is an impatient, inattentive listening that despises the other and is only waiting for a chance to speak and thus to get rid of the other person. This is no fulfillment of our obligation, and it is certain that here, too, our attitude toward our brother only reflects our relationship to God. It is little wonder that we are no longer capable of the greatest service of listening that God has committed to us. That of hearing our brother's confession, if we refuse to give ear to our brother on lesser subjects. <clears throat> okay, can any of y'all relate to that? To someone listening to you with half an ear, maybe? Um, so ready to jump in and cut you off and tell you what they want to say. Um, this is this takes the Holy Spirit. This kind of this listening with whole ears. There's a kind of listening with a half an ear that presumes to already know. Assumptions kill relationships. If there are any principle I could leave you with, that would be one. When we make assumptions about the person that's in front of us, whether that's your wife, your friend, 
Um, when you start guessing what they are going to say or where that comes from or their background, you lose the opportunity to ask and to connect over that place of asking. So when I assume that Cameron is tired because he was up partying all night versus asking him, I'm, I'm building this whole story that has nothing to do with Cameron. And I lose the chance to say, hey, Cameron, what's happening? And he says, well, you know, my baby was up three times and we went to sleep at midnight and we got up at three and then four and then I had to get up at six. And I lose the chance to actually hear and validate and know and connect with Cameron over what actually happened. So the listening piece to these girls, I, I think that the ministry of redemptive listening is middle school ministry. Literally, if you have a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, to listen well to them and to practice and learn listening in this really difficult way that's laying down what you want to say or what you want to fix or what you want to help, which is so hard, that is bringing redemption unto your daughter. That is telling her that she is worth pursuing. It's, it's all of these things. It's You actually really matter when I hear you well, when I listen well. And it really is a practice. It's an art. I'm still learning to listen well. Um, practice it. Be curious about what it means to listen well. Notice when you feel listened to, validated. Um, it's a huge, a huge gift to be listened to well. Um, yes, I'm gonna keep cracking. Yeah, I really, I think, I think these things fit into that. There's to be heard, seen, and heard is profoundly impacting. It is revealing about what matters to you even when someone notices what you're talking about. Say say your girl has mentioned three times in the last five minutes about a certain show she's watching or about something that really was kind of annoying about what some girl did. If you just notice, hey, you said that three times. If you hear that and you reflect it to her, if you listen, there's going to be something that happens for her even to realize, oh, wait, that, that matters to me more than I, more than I was sure of even. You're you're walking alongside her in a really powerful way. Yes, listening, such a big deal. Learn about listening, practice it, be curious about it. Please. We all want to be here for big issues. We all want to really listen on big issues. Yeah. I heard somebody one time say, if you listen to the little things, hmm. then they'll open up about the big things later. Whew. If you listen to the little things, then the big things will be, you become safe when you listen to the little things, yeah, in a, a more profound way. And that commitment to presence that convinces her that because you have shown her. So this stuff, she's taking in these truths, not explicitly, but implicitly when you're listening all along the way. So values are more caught than taught, right? So you teach your kid values about what's right and wrong and what's good and bad. When you teach her she's loved by loving her, she's catching that she's worth loving. She's catching that you're safe to share the big things with. Yes, I think that's great wisdom. When you're listening to the small things, you become safer to share the big things with because you're someone she can come to. You're someone that has listened well, that's trustworthy, that's not gonna cut her off. And as men, but also human beings, the cost of that, one of the costs, is that y'all are invited to face your powerlessness for the sake of love. And that is really hard. That's actually a cross. That's maybe one of the biggest crosses as a father you are invited to bear. Um, by in and through Jesus Christ is when your daughter has a big thing that can't be fixed, a broken heart, something that's just happened to her, some huge question she has, and you really want to help for you to listen and to face the like, but I can't, uh, but I want to fix it. 
to say nothing about how you want that, but to offer her your heart, to validate where she is, to not try to fix it, just to reflect to her and be with her. That's so powerful. That's such love. It's so hard. Practice it. Wonder about it. Um, they need that. They really need that. Um, yeah, thank you for saying that. Liz, are you ready for other questions and questions? Yes, yes. And I, I prefer questions, so these, go for it. On these questions, yeah. Margin for failure. Um, like sitting here reading this and thinking about all the instances where, mm. although knowing this, don't do it for don't whatever do it. reason. What's going back to what you bring to fear? Mm. What if what if we knew what we should have done and didn't do it? What if you knew what you should have done and didn't do it? Yeah, your margin for failure is complete. It is the cross. That's what I would say. It is. You will fail at all of this, unfortunately. No one wants to hear that. And your hope is in the fact that your worth is not based on that. Your worth as a father isn't even based on that. That is worth, your worth is secure in Jesus, um, who's called you beloved and has forgiven that. And I really mean that. I mean, like, <laughs> failure is real. Um, Y'all know this. I know this in my own life. And repentance, and repentance before your child to say I'm sorry, there are four things, I'm going to say four statements to practice. I'm sorry to a daughter, to a son. Oh my gosh, y'all. If I could have heard I'm sorry at some point in my life, like from my father, that is enormously, enormously powerful. It is reconnecting. So when you have failure, have disruption in relationship, you have breaking. We failed by not following God, sin, separation. There is a reconnection that happens when you say I'm sorry, when you apologize. So kind of endless endless invitation to risk and fail and to apologize and know that doesn't define your relationship with your daughter either. If anything, relationship becomes stronger when you fail and you apologize and are forgiven. Um, that sounds really simple. I know it is probably the hardest thing I've said yet, maybe. But uh, yeah, I think it's really important. And to keep it's a, it's a process to keep doing that, to keep coming to the cross, to keep repenting and knowing you're forgiven, knowing who you are. Um, great question, Gil. Yeah. Can I say a question? Yeah. Okay, so the question, am I lovely, um, that seems to have some element of like uh, wanting validation for physical appearance or... Huh. I, well, my, my wife and I had this debate. I tell my daughter that she's with a girl in the entire world. And you know, I say, I, say I, I, I tend to kind of lean towards hyperbole. No. And my wife, <laughs> and my wife, anyhow, how, you know, but meanwhile, you have a world that's kind of physically objectifying yeah. women and girls. So, do you have any insights into like, how to do that in a way that's not also validating the world's hmm. just? Is it good for us to, to notice, to like compliment our compliment daughters on physical appearance or things like that? Yeah, I don't. I think you, especially as a safe father, to, to notice and see beauty in your daughter is really good. Even if it's hyperbolic to say you're beautiful, you. I would invite you to think as many times as you do that to, to 
think about what you wrote on the card of what what about her is lovely and enticing and mysterious that is not physical um, that has nothing to do with how she looks uh, to think about her heart so her characteristics her personality her the way she reflects God that aren't physical to offer that as much as you offer comments if not more but yeah I don't I don't think it's wrong I just I think you want to have a good dose of other validation coming at her great question I feel very Catherine that you are beautiful and I hope that you can see that in yourself um, that it's not just me that you can see it and to your mm-hmm. point you know, when you smile you are so beautiful or when I hear you laughing give her examples of why I think she's so beautiful and why I think it's important for her to see it in herself mm-hmm. um, since I've started doing that I think she has warmed up to, mm-hmm. to that scenario yeah that's neat it even it makes me think that a way to validate that's really powerful is let her know the impact it has on you to see when she smiles. To say like when you smile, it just brings me joy. When you when you go out there and play soccer, like you're having the time of your life, it just thrills me. It makes me think it, you know. To you can also offer not to make it about you, but when you share what has an impact on you, it's, it's that's a connecting point too. It's really good. Um, yeah. Statements. No, one turn. What Tools. Do you mean by too much. Too much. A great question. I didn't go over that. Okay. What do you mean by too much? Am I too much? So, let me tell you the visual I have in my head of one of my middle school girls, who is, oh man, she's just so vivacious and full of life, and she talks a mile a minute and has a hundred questions and wants to tell you everything that's happened about her day and all of the details of all the people she met and all of the things going on with the boys and. Um, are you getting are you getting tired from what I'm saying right now? Are you a little overwhelmed? Like that coming at you with so much emotion and so much confusion and uh, lots of details. Part of that part of the heart question under that is: Am I too much? Am I so much that I'm going to push you away? Am I so much that you can't see or know me in the overwhelmingness? Am I too much for love? Kind of comes back to love. Yeah. Like, am I so much that I'm going to cut off relationship? Is the underlying question. Am I too intense? Am I too um, am I too mysterious? Too hard to understand for you as a dad even? Is that too much of a bridge for you to, to gap, to cross? That does that help? Is that still more mysterious? Tell me if I'm landing anything here. More clarity? Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seems to me that Hmm. The world is going to tell them the answer to all of them. Hmm. The world is going to say, you know, am I lovable? Not lovable enough. Am I hmm. worth pursuing? There's someone worth to someone more worth pursuing. Hmm. And one of our jobs, and it, it's the same issue that trying to separate us from others. Right? Hmm. I don't deserve it. You know, the world is always going to tell them, you don't hmm. deserve God's grace. Part of the role of the Father Yes, you are this person, even though the world is telling you no to all of this, or you've got to go earn this, or someone else will always have more of this. 
And these aren't questions they're often aware of. I should have said that to you. These are heart questions that probably she doesn't even know she's asking. They're kind of eking out through her behaviors and her questions and her um, emotions. But, you know, this isn't, she's cognitively sitting there thinking like, I wonder if I am worth pursuing. Like, you know, this is just observation of what's, what's floating under there. And yeah, I think you're totally right. Uh, how, how does the world say that she's lovely? By being really sexy. That's how the world says. You need to look like this, have this image, and then you'll be worth pursuing. And that's like, that's, these conversations too, y'all, you can have these with your daughters. To have a conversation of like, hey, what, what do you think other girls think makes them worth pursuing? So not a direct question you. Use the like, hey, what about everyone else? What do you think the world's telling you? How can you be lovable in the world versus what the Lord says about you, what I say about you. Why do people think they're too much? Use that. Use that to engage them. I think that, that can be really helpful, too. Um, any other questions before moving on? Stuff floating around? Okay. Uh, statements. Just tools in your tool belt to have. I'm big on questions. People engage differently, but I like these questions. Or not questions, these are just statements of practice. I like it as a... I'm sorry. I don't know. That's a hard one. Tell me more about... Help me understand. This is almost a, sometimes it can be paralyzing to have a kid come to you with, you know, whoa, we're at school and this one girl kissed another girl and then I didn't know it was happening and, and I'm really, I don't even know what to say. How do you engage that? Well, I mean, tell me more about that. Let me feel. Tell me more about what was going on. Tell me more about where that was. Tell me more about has that ever happened before? You know, just a way to ask questions. Um, tool, use it. Help me understand. Tell me understand, man. What what that made you think? Help me understand what you like about that. Help me understand what you don't like about that. Just help me understand. Um, the I'm sorry we talked about repentance. Huge. Oh my gosh. Huge. And the I don't know is the place of. Um, I'll actually just put this repentance. It's a place of facing your powerlessness, which is so hard. Slash death. For her sake, for the sake of love. I don't know. That makes me think about, like, even questions of evil, of suffering, of why did this happen to me? I deal with a lot of trauma. Some of your daughters might have trauma in their lives or have abuse in their backgrounds or have lost someone dear to them. The this is We have truths about scripture. We also have, in an emotional state, you're really sad. I don't know. I don't know why these things happen. There's a, a reality to honoring mystery of faith and life and suffering with I don't know. 
that can be really helpful for connecting. So I don't know. Um, and this is all, I realize we're, we have such a short time span, so it's a lot of practical and doing and these questions. And maybe too abstract for some of it, but um, kind of just want you to have some of this even to mull over further and to talk about more. So yeah. Father, like from your experience in churches and also to your, your experience of, of you know, listening to girls, can you um, uh, paint a picture of where you've seen some dads hmm. parenting daughter well? Yeah. Dads parenting daughters well. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So recently... Recently, no, I'll tell an older story. Um, back some years ago, uh, a small group leader and I, um, we found out from someone else that one of our girls was having sex with her boyfriend. And we wanted to care for her well by confronting her and saying, hey, we think there's more for you than this, that this might be destructive in your life. We love you. We want to we figure out how to wrestle and struggle with you well. Also, we know this, and we think this isn't even healthy or helpful for your relationship with your boyfriend. Um, so we're going to invite you to tell your parents. Otherwise, we will tell her. And so that, at that point, she went and told her parents. And her father's response um, of love and graciousness of, this does not change how I see you. This does not separate us. Um, he actually apologized to her. But in, in saying, you know, I think we we gave you guys more time than you knew what to do with by yourselves. We, I wasn't paying enough attention. I wasn't involved enough in your relationship to know you had six hours together on Saturdays, every Saturday at his parents' house. Like, he, he repented to her um, and then invited her to, like, they gave her some healthier, helpful boundaries of how to navigate that relationship and said, we're in it with you. Like, there was no shame-based, like, you're grounded and you're cut off from your boyfriend. It was this, great, we're going to encourage you to go have other relationships with other people also to spend more time doing that. And I'm sorry for how I failed you as your father. And you are loved and known, and this does not define you. Um, it's one part of your story. It was, it was amazing. Um, yeah, the commitment to stick with is that presence. It's that even when you don't know what to say, but to be with her. I think if, if a father would have just said, I don't even know what to say. I love you. Let's figure this out together. That the kind of nothing or pornography issues, y'all, this is so hard. 60% plus of teenage girls have pornography struggles now, which means if you're not talking about it with them, they're talking about it with someone else. That is very hard to imagine talking about for many of you, but it's happening. And you can be a safe place to talk about that with her or with your wife or however that might look. And uh, yeah, you, when you don't condemn her for the like, oh, you're doing that, oh, that's just so, that's horrible, that's wrong, that's, but it's a like, oh, that's, that's really hard. We need to tackle that together. We need to look at where that's coming from, what, why that's hard. Um, how do we get support to enter into really confusing unknown places together? Very important. Very important. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's just go to questions. Um, What is pornography to girls? Yeah, great question. Um, pornography, it's difference between guys and girls, and then similarities. And watching it over time, you become so numb to what you're watching. So the same thing happens for girls, where if it starts by, unfortunately, again, at eight, eight's the average age they're being exposed to a pornographic image now. Um, whether it's just, it happens on Instagram, you get, uh, hey, would you want to be my friend? And it's a, a naked picture of somebody. Um, or it, they just happen. So that exposure does something. And you're meant to be enticed by beauty. We all are, in, in either form, men or women. So there's something enticing about it. There's supposed to be. That's, that's a good thing. When it becomes this oh, and I'm, I'm becoming kind of enslaved to looking at images. You become numb to the fact these are people. And it, I think what I've experienced is both ways. It almost doesn't matter um, what type they're watching. It's just this a numbed enthrallment. And I think there's more fantasy to it for a girl, maybe, to like the romance fantasy background is more important than maybe to a man. Um, but the effect is... The words I hear them use are similar of, I don't know why I can't, I don't know why I'm looking at them, I don't know why I can't stop. I, uh, I don't even really like it, I kind of hate it, but something keeps me coming back. Addictive language, this like, um, it's, an, it's in the same way for men and women, an escape from something else, from the tension of real intimacy, of dealing with real human relationship. Um, and when you enter into that tension of not even knowing, you do something that breaks that, as a father especially, when you're like, Nope, I'm going to sit in this really awkward place with you, and we're going to talk about sexuality. When you enter into that, you help break the like, well, I can't, I can't actually talk about and engage this stuff cycle. Um, so yeah, more. I think I don't know if that's helpful. More fantasy based, but very similar. Um, it's just so rampant, and our whole culture dehumanizes people and makes them into images and just to sexual figures and not whole people. Uh, so it's a culture problem as much as sin in us, and and they're just being exposed so early, so early. Yeah. Liz, do you have any strategies on how to ease in and have the talk with your son or daughter on this issue? Great this, I mean, I, question. Yeah. It's obviously very often. Let's talk about pornography. Yeah. Go. Sit down, son. Let's talk about some porn. Yeah, I know. You know your kid the best. It's a really great question. I think. Initially, an intro of setting up a time to talk about it, so not just like springing it on them. But maybe if the kid that's like, yeah, let's talk, you know, probably not. But <laughs> um, yeah, hey, can we can we set up a time to go fish and talk about some stuff? Can we can we take some time tomorrow night and and talk about something that might be hard? I would like prep them with a setting up a time, and then or you can say yeah. If they ask you what, they probably will. Yeah, I kind of want to talk about pornography and what it's meant in your life. It's not gonna be comfortable. You can expect it. Like again, that's like facing the facing awkwardness is kind of the story of how to love well in teenagers. <laughs> like it is. It's really love to like enter into awkwardness with them. They feel it all the time, and you, it's so loving to enter into that. 
and say, yep, even that, like, you know, we can talk about that. I might not even know, have all the answers, but we can talk about it. It's not going to live in the dark. That stuff grows in the dark. Um, and you bringing light to it even. I mean, it's just, it's really good. And, and naming that it's awkward reduces the awkward. Yes! I'm on 75%. Yes! This is going to be really awkward, but I need to ask this question. Absolutely. We're about to record a podcast on sexuality that kids might be forced to listen to with their parents. We're going to tell them this might be awkward. Yeah. That's okay. Actually, that, 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 that the church asked us, asked Rudin to do a series of podcasts for teenagers, mm -hmm. basically like a sex education curriculum that they can listen to through a podcast, and to be like a jumping off point for conversations between. So basically, a parent can say, "Hey, we're going to listen to this uh, podcast. Do you listen to this podcast?" And um, and then we're going to have, you know, we're going to provide like a curriculum. And yeah, you know, we're just gonna talk about it. And then one of the podcasts is gonna be about pornography and those kind of issues. So um, so you can pray for us because we make a very awkward podcast and then there are some more. Yeah. And I think we are out of time from what I understand, right, Kim? Yeah, we are. So y'all feel free to contact me. Um, please, if you have more questions, if you wanna discuss any of this further, I would love to be a resource to you. Um, Stay curious. You have what it takes. Intentionality is the posture of love. And y'all, thank you seriously. It, I don't. It really does encourage me that you'd show up, ask questions, care, engage, keep engaging with one another on it. Ask these questions amongst yourselves. Love your wives well. That has a big impact on your daughter. Um, yeah. You want to pray for us? Let me pray. <laughs> and then I'll tell you what the article is for that I gave you and didn't talk about. Um, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for um, men who want to know you and know how to love their daughters well. I pray that you would, by your spirit, help them to do that, um, that they would find rest in knowing that they are loved by you, that they are seen by you, and that they have what it takes in you and through you. Um, God bless these men as they walk out these doors. Um, encourage them in heart in knowing that they have showed up already. Um, and I give, pray that you give them words to engage their kids with um, and wisdom and that you would unite them together as your body to love well. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.